Hello and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast, coming to you from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Greg Heilman. And I'm Matt Haver. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week we bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Tinseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from L.A. to the U.K. Welcome to episode 64. Today we're pleased to welcome to the show Laura Galt. Laura is a Tony-nominated Broadway co-producer, The Prom, indie film director, producer, casting director, assistant director, actor, educator, and teaching artist, speech, language pathologist, and mom, based in Austin, Texas. She coordinated extras casting on Aged Out, starring Ty Sheridan of X-Men and Ready Player One, which premiered at South by Southwest 2018. Laura is currently working on the producing capitalization team for The Outsiders musical, based on the S.C. Hinton novel, Francis Ford Coppola film, which is in development for Broadway. World premiere, La Jolla Playhouse, February 2023. Laura co-conceptualized and produced the South by Southwest 2018 panel Hollywood to Broadway, adapting films for stage, and the 2019 South by Southwest panel Film and Music, collaborating on Broadway. Laura served on Zach Theater's Education Board and is currently involved as a teaching artist and judge for Young Playwrights for Change down in Austin, Texas a national middle school playwriting competition run by the American Alliance for Theater and Education in collaboration with the Zach Theater. Young Playwrights for Change has a goal to produce meaningful conversations that will ripple across our nation to provide change by sparking conversations and discussion throughout classrooms, schools, and communities. Laura has also worked in Los Angeles at International Creative Management as an associate publicist for Nancy Seltzer Public Relations, was a part of the publicity team for Julia Roberts, Nicole Kidman, Kathy Bates, Placido Domingo, Rob Reiner, and Jonathan Demme's acclaimed film, Philadelphia. Laura was also Julia Louis-Dreyfus's assistant and worked for Burt Reynolds Productions. In college, Laura interned for Senator David Boren. She enjoys championing education, up-and-coming filmmakers, theater, dance, and has a goal of involving herself and others in stage and screen narratives that have relevant messages and shift representation paradigms for women, youth, and underrepresented populations. She joins us from her home in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, Laura. Welcome. Hi. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And, and it's an interesting turn of fate, I guess, or circumstance that kind of brought us together. You first came to my attention when I posted a review of the touring company performance of The Prom at the Fifth Avenue Theater here in Seattle. And an elementary school friend of mine thought it was kind of interesting or unique that I was doing a review of someone I guess he went to college with. Yeah. So I, I think that's great. It's a small world and such a small community when uh, when it comes down to it. So I want to get kind of right into that a little bit. Uh, so you were the original producer of The Prom on Broadway, our co-producer. Yes. Um, and, and while we've all seen The Producers, I imagine <laughs> Bialystok and Bloom don't really personify the true life of a producer. Um, and we hear the term bandied about quite a bit, but could you explain a little bit to our listeners what exactly the role of a producer is? Sure. Well, there are several kinds of producers on Broadway. So there can be an executive producer, which might uh, production might bring on board to kind of mentor um, some less seasoned producers. Um, and then you have your more your creative producers. Um, and those are the ones that typically helm the production. And they're the ones who kind of might decide I want to do this show, a particular show. And then they're the ones who bring on the creative team. They're the ones who hire the writers and the directors 
and um, the composers. Um, and then they just kind of shepherd the production from development and then, you know, and hopefully to Broadway and then on to tours and all the ancillary uh, productions following that. Um, and then there are also capitalizing co-producers as well as investing co-producers. And I was a capital capitalizing co-producer on the prom. Okay. So really they're the, the top echelon that finances the show, make sure that, that the right people are hired to, to lead it. And then are, were you involved in the show then uh, after the Broadway run and into the touring production at all? Are you still kind of, do you have your fingers in it? Yeah. So once you are a capitalizing producer, or even if you're an investing producer or an investor, you always have the opportunity to be involved in any of the ancillary or subsidiary productions that follow Broadway. You know, so when the tour comes up and we, and we say, oh, hey, we're going on tour, then you have an opportunity to um, raise money for that tour or invest in that tour moving forward. Or, you know, sometimes if it, you know, if it would go, if a production would go to the UK or Australia, you may also have the opportunity to be involved in that as well. And then how about when that, when then the show becomes released to regional or local theaters to be able to be done it, which, which usually I guess happens down the line at some point, are producers involved in that piece of it too, at least, or just releasing the rights to it? Yes, they are. So if you become an investor on the, like we call it kind of the mothership on the Broadway production, the Broadway production always kind of owns a piece of that kind of ancillary income. So when it does go to regional theaters, um, they will get a piece of those rights that are kind of sold for them to use it. Does it work the opposite way as well? Uh, I think of uh, like a show like Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical that launched here at the Fifth Avenue in Seattle. Will the original production team go from Seattle to Broadway or do they hand that off then to the big shots in New York? Well, typically when a show does its pre-Broadway run in Seattle, like that Broadway production team is already in place. So, okay, yeah. So like the designers, the co you know costume designer, production designer, they're working on that. And that's their goal is to get it to Broadway. So when you saw it in Seattle, you had that that Broadway production team there. And now how much creative control? Now you, you talk about kind of being the puppet master, putting all the people in place and then the financial element of producing. Do And maybe this varies from situation to situation or show to show, but do certain producers take more involvement in the, you know, the creative side, like say casting uh, is that something they always necessarily hand off to someone else or is it kind of a case by case? I think it really depends on who your lead producer is, how much control they want to have. But typically, uh, you know, your lead producer will be the one who's kind of like that creative producer will be the one who's who's bringing on that creative team. But typically they do hand off the decision-making to the director and the choreographers who they want to hire. And stay at that 30,000 foot level. Right. 
I'm I'm curious if someone was in now you have a, a a vast background in all elements of of the performing arts uh, theater screen. If someone's interested in pursuing uh, production, what is a what is a path that you would recommend uh, that they take? Is there I mean I'm sure there's no linear path. You've done casting. <laughs> We've talked to casting directors. There's no there's no degree <laughs> for right. casting directors. Um, how you know how did you get started? When did you fall in love with with theater? And then what put you on the path to producing? And and what could uh, our audience uh, take from that as far as folks who are interested? Well, I've always loved performing and theater probably since I was in preschool. I think my mother signed me up for dance when I was in preschool and um, I just continued dancing and then in middle school became involved in musical theater and then have always been involved in theater throughout my life. And um, I became involved with Broadway and producing on Broadway because I had a colleague who was capitalizing for the prom and I met the lead producer through her and just started asking questions and they offered me a chance to become involved. Isn't that always how it works, right? Friend, friend of a friend in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah. So I feel really lucky and blessed. And, you know, our lead producer on the prom is Dory Berenstein. And so she really wants to help elevate other women and it was just really a privilege to be involved with her and then the colleague that helped open the door for me as well. well. That's great. Now, do you suggest, so if, let's say there's there's two podcast hosts in the Seattle area who are interested in becoming producers, <laughs> um, and and we don't have, you know, any experience with that. We've got experience in, you know, some aspects. We're kind of late to the theater game, so to speak. Uh, Matt and I just really got in, involved in theater probably uh, within the last you know five six years, but kind of producing shows and and be and having some creative control over what we see at our local theaters is something that you know we're interested in. What would you recommend to us um, or anybody else to to go out and and learn? Is it is it just being in there and then just saying hey I want to just take ownership of something and diving in? Well, yeah, I mean I think if you want to produce something locally for theater, I think it's choosing the show that you want to produce. First of all, like, is there a show that you're like, oh my gosh, I want to put it on stage. Then, I mean, the question is, do you have the money to finance it yourself? And if not, then going out and seeking, you know, whether it's a nonprofit, you know, seeking those donations to help you finance the show to get it on its feet and put it in a theater locally, you know, or financing it yourself. So all of those uh, Bialystok's little old ladies, we got to go and get them yes. lined up, huh? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, you know, local theater to get local theater made. It, it takes a village, right? It, it takes people willing to donate money or just give you money, whether it's a nonprofit or not to help get your show off the ground. And it's the same with Broadway. You know, Broadway is, it is made up of people who are willing to invest money. Broadway is not for, is not a nonprofit. It is for profit. So if you are investing in Broadway, it is an investment. It's a high risk investment. 
but there, you know, there's a chance that you can make your money back, or there's a chance that it might be a donation, you know, and you get a write-off, a K-1 write-off. So, you know, I, I always tell people who want to invest on Broadway or who are interested, like, I really feel like there has to be an altruistic reason uh, why you are investing or, you know, a personal reason why you're investing. You know, maybe it's you really believe in the message that the play or musical is sending out to the audiences. You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a show like The Outsiders that you grew up with and um, you love the movie or you're a big Francis Ford Coppola fan, you know, and for the prom, it's just a message of tolerance and acceptance and being true to yourself. So, you know, it's just, there are lots of different reasons to be involved in a show. I guess like any art though, you do it for yourself and then anything else beyond that is gravy, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, she's really good. She just literally segues herself into our next two questions. I know. You gave us all the <laughs> you gave us all the wonderful reasons to get involved in a show. So tell us, how did you get involved with the prom? And then we'll we'll talk a little about a bit about the Outsiders, which is one of my favorite books. So uh, first, first the prom though. What led you to that? Well, I think I mentioned before I had a colleague who was involved in capitalizing for the show, mm -hmm. and initially I didn't really know it was like a legit Broadway show. Like I thought it might be like Greg, Matt and Laura wrote a musical and they're trying to put it up in a black box theater. That's a great name for a show, by the way. Greg, Matt and uh, Laura wrote a show. <laughs> I like that. Write, write that down. <laughs> um, you know, and I was like, I, oh, you know, I don't know. And then when I met the lead producer, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is legit because Casey Nicola was the director and choreographer, and he has done Book of Mormon and Mean Girls and Spamalot. So I was like, oh my gosh, like this is legit. And that's kind of when I started asking, you know, more questions about, you know, is there a way that I can get involved? Is there a way that I can help? And, you know, luckily they opened that door for me. That's a great question to ask in, I think, probably at any level of theater. What can I do to help? People yeah. are going to snap you up right away. Yeah. Theater always needs money, right? So. And you mentioned earlier about when a show is, whether it's in Seattle or La Jolla or Paper Mill Play or whatever, wherever it is kind of pre-Broadway that the, the Broadway producers are already kind of in, in place. And, and I wonder, there's original shows that we have here in Seattle at our major theaters, uh, the Seattle Rep. Come from away, among others, went to Broadway from there. Obviously, Matt mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fifth, uh, Aladdin, things like that. When you see an original show that ha has the potential, I guess they all have the potential to to get to Broadway. Is that path already set though? If you have Broadway level producers in place, so is is a show already kind of destined to go in that direction when we see it here as an original show? Yeah, I mean, I think if you really have those higher level Broadway lead producers in place, you can typically make the assumption that the goal is Broadway. It may not always make it to Broadway, but that's the intention. And they're working to get there. 
you know, Seattle is such a great and incredible launching spot for those potential Broadway shows. That's why you see so many pre-Broadway runs there or world premieres in Seattle, because they just know it's a great launching spot for it. And it's a respected place to have those pre-Broadway runs. So if you're, you know, if you're looking at the credits and you see, oh, like this person has been involved in multiple Broadway shows as a producer, you can kind of think, oh, wow, they're really hoping to get us Broadway. We will have to look at that, uh, some of the shows. I, I'd never thought about that. I, I kind of always thought it was other shows here, and then it's it's got to do a lot of work to sell itself once it's been here to get the Broadway. But that'll be uh, something interesting to look for in, in the playbills moving forward. Yeah. And, and typically, you know, like for a pre-Broadway run, they have raised, you know, some money for that developmental round, but then their hope, like if they get good reviews and good feedback, you know, and then hopefully they can get like the Broadway theater owners there to see the show that, you know, a Broadway theater owner is going to want to offer the show to come into their theater. So speaking of theaters, the La Jolla Playhouse, you are bringing The Outsiders uh, soon, early 2023, it sounds like. Now, this is a, a literally a beloved book, a beloved film launched or or made people aware of a lot of big stars. Uh, and it's getting kind of, I'm not going to say how many years it's been out, just to make us all feel old, right? But what has the process been like for you going backwards now, which I think we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, but taking a, again... Uh, you know, a, maybe a book to theater isn't that much of a stretch, but now a book to film and back to the stage. What what has that process been like, and and what drew you to to the Outsiders? Well, what drew me to the Outsiders is I grew up in Oklahoma. Okay, it is. Um, the setting is based in Oklahoma, and so it's an Oklahoma narrative. And then, of course, I loved the movie as a child, and then also the composers. Two of them are there from Jamestown Revival, Zach Chance and Jonathan Clay. They are from Texas. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, well, I just, the message of the Outsiders is incredible. It has an Oklahoma connection and it has a Texas connection and it's working to be developed for Broadway. So that's really kind of what initially like piqued my interest because if you are involved with the show and you are investing in the show or you you are raising money for a show, it really has to be something that you believe in. There has to be something that's tugging at your heartstring to be involved. And, um, you know, and the outsiders did that for me. And then it's just been exciting just to see how, you know, they're using parts of the book and parts of the movie to kind of meld together to um, to form the book of the musical and then um, how they're weaving in the music and the music, ah, oh, like if you just listen to Jamestown Revival, they, um, the music is just really incredible and it just brings so much more, I feel like depth and emotion to the characters that sometimes I think you forget like just by reading the book, like it's just like it's so much more emotional. It seems like, and not a genre. Being familiar with with some of their music, not a genre that you've seen a lot on Broadway either, which I think will be cool. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just it's it's really exciting just to see, like, the creativity 
Yeah, and the, the musical aspect is interesting. Uh, now, we've talked on our, our show, um, had a number of guests where we've talked about taking things from the stage to Hollywood. Uh, old musicals that premiered on Broadway, making movies, what the challenges were, who did them right. We kind of want to flip that on its head. And in the context of The Outsiders and a panel that you produced at South by Southwest around bringing Hollywood to Broadway, what are the, and especially from a mu- musical as well, what are the components to a successful transition from Hollywood to Broadway, whether it's just the film to to the stage and then adding music, that's another layer altogether. And then who's done it right? Oh, wow. Well, I think Mean Girls did a great job. I mean, you know, we have we have Moulin Rouge that's on Broadway right now, which is just really an immersive experience. And then, um, you know, I think most recently Mean Girls and even have Mrs. Doubtfire as well. And Tootsie was recent as recent, too. But I think, you know, I think Mean Girls is one of my favorites right now. One of the current ones right now. There's some that lend itself when you see the. Disney taking their films, which are already musicals, and then moving them to the stage, and and they they make them more complex and and more layered and add to the stories. Aladdin's a great example of of what they took from the movie, and Lion King as well. But then you take something like Mean Girls or Freaky Friday uh, a few years ago, where you add the musical element to it as well. That's I imagine that is that extra challenging, or does that give the playwrights and the music composers a chance to just have a little bit more freedom and add some depth to the story through song. Yeah, I think it probably depends on the product that you're involved with, you know, and how much control do like the original creators want to have in it, you know, being a composer, like how much freedom does the composer have? You know, I'm sure I'm not, I'm not involved with Disney, but I'm sure Disney has very specific things that they want to see and hear in the music. So probably the composer has to do a lot of rewrites, you know, and like even with Mean Girls, I mean, Tina Fey's husband was, you know, involved in writing the music, but I'm sure they just had like such a ball, you know, and challenges. I mean, it's it's always challenging to create something but coming up with funny lines and and rewriting things um, together. Yeah, I imagine because there's there's a certain, um, um, I guess the heart of the movie you want to make sure is is still retained within the music, and and to keep it you know the same tone as Mean Girls, you know just the dialogue and the acting, and then keep that into the into the music. I'm sure is a is a process that is. For those for those folks, I'm sure it's it's challenging and fun at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, of course, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think you know, adding music to a story just enriches it. Mm-hmm. Now, could you possibly be biased because of your uh, very lengthy dance background? We want to talk a little bit about, about about some of the other elements of your career. Is there anything that is specific in your background that has informed you? or shaped your approach to producing? Any any past experience that really has melded well with that? That's a good question. Um, so, I mean, it's great to know all elements of the, you know, of what goes into a show obviously doesn't hurt. Right, I mean, obvious, yes. I mean, I do have kind of like the dancing and the singing and the acting background. So I think sometimes it, I think it just sometimes is really what feels good to me. I, um, 
I'm, I'm really kind of a gut, like, what is, what do I feel in my gut? You know, does it make me happy? Does it make me feel something? So I think that's where I am. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily like super critical. Um, of course, it's like there's bad choreography. I'll be like, oh, that wasn't very good. <laughs> um, but I mean, I do want good choreography, you know, but you know, the prom's choreography versus the outsider's choreography is completely different. Yeah. You know, so the prom is big and celebratory and athletic and outsiders will be very athletic too, but there's, there's kind of some like more of like fight choreography and modern contemporary feel. Almost sounds like the West Side story of its time. In, in a way. Well, you know, people compare it to that, but it's really not. I think it's very different just because I, I feel like the stories, even though there is kind of like the gang relationship, it's, it's really, you know, pony boy story about how do I kind of keep a positive attitude and how do I persevere and how do I move forward in times of adversity? Now, I'm curious, considering this was, again, a best-selling novel um, and, and uh, you know, really a, a big hit uh, as a film and still a favorite, you know, classic. Were you involved in the in the rights acquisition at all, uh, that that process for yeah. taking this on stage? Okay, so I was going to say that's, that had to be a complex process in and of itself. That was our lead producers. So our lead producers, you know, again, kind of that creative handled that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they are working with American Zoetrope on that. American Zoetrope, uh, which is Francis Coppola's company, right. is a lead producer. And I, I believe, you know, they have been wanting to make this into a musical for a long time. And so they're collaborating with two other lead producers who um, have that experience of bringing shows to Broadway. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, switching gears to another one of your multi or facets of your multifaceted career is the educational aspect. You're a passionate educator and speech language pathologist Um, among other things. Can you tell us a little bit about your educational endeavors? Sure. So I am a speech language pathologist and I feel like I just kind of, I I guess nothing really happens just for happenstance, but um, I was working in Los Angeles at the time, kind of pursuing that LA dream. And my mom got sick and I thought, and I had to move back to Oklahoma. And so and I thought, just what am I going to do if I move back to Oklahoma? Um, you know, I don't want to just go be an assistant somewhere. And my mother had always wanted me to be, to get my master's degree. And um, one of my side jobs in LA was working with UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute. And I would go to health clinics in South Central LA and recruit people to be involved in an HIV prevention study. And there I realized I was really good at working with people and people connected with me. And it was kind of had like an educational side to it where we were trying to recruit them to become involved in a, in a program 
to reduce risky behaviors. And so I just kind of knew I wanted to, when I went to get my master's degree, I wanted to do something that was kind of helping people and was maybe more social services related. And so I did that and then, you know, moved to Chicago and always continued to dance and was always kind of involved in the dance world and then eventually moved to Austin. And when I moved back to Austin, that's where I kind of really launched back into being involved in theater again. It's just been really, it's been a really great second career that's always been there to, you know, help me provide for my family when I need to, and just give me that opportunity to kind of work with like my, the left hemisphere of my brain and the right hemisphere of my brain. And it's just been really a great kind of synergy for me, but I've been really fortunate, um, to kind of meld my educational background with theater. So there is a theater in Austin called Zach Theater and they have an incredible education program. And so I've been um, privileged to serve on the board of their education committee there and then also be involved in a program called Young Playwrights for Change where they um, encourage middle schoolers to write a play and there's usually a prompt and it's kind of has a social message. Um, so, you know, like one year it might be about bullying. So I've been privileged to be involved with that as a judge and involved in reading plays. And then I'm also a founding member of the Lake Travis Film Festival. And I helped develop their young filmmaker program. I think the life skills, you know, that, that can, be, they can be learned from, yeah, I mean, public speaking, you know, comfort in front of a crowd, just relating to people, working as a team, all those things are found in the arts. And I, I work in education as well uh, during the day. And I, it's funny, you talk to teachers and they say, I can never do that. I can never go on stage in front of someone. I said, what do you think you do every day? You know, and there's just so many parallels between the two. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to be able to hold the attention of a crowd. Uh, and on the flip side, for the students, there's just so much to glean from that. We have a lot of local theaters here in, in the Puget Sound area that do summer camps. And to see these kids come in brand new, uh, so shy, and to come out after two or so weeks with a completely different outlook, and you just never know what switch it, that's going to flip for those kids and what that might mean for them down the road. Yeah, you just, you never know. And like, even like for Young Playwrights for Change, for these these kids that write a play, I mean, it's, it can be cathartic, you know, cause some of them like actually write about like real life stories. And then, you know, we take those plays and the finalists and we actually do readings and they get to hear it with real actors. Yeah. And sometimes it's just so touching what you, yeah. what they create. They're so smart. What an amazing experience for them to be able to hear that brought to life like that. Right. Well, this has been extremely informative and educational, uh, and we're really glad that you joined us. Before we let you go, uh, one more question. You, you've worked with some big names, stage and screen, and uh, we'd like to know, do you have a favorite memory from your career or maybe uh, the best piece of advice that someone has given you, uh, you know, celebrity or not, uh, you know, or a story that you'd like to, to tell us? Well, I think never be afraid to ask a question or just to ask for something that you want hmm. or ask to be involved in something 
that you're interested in being involved in. So courage, essentially. Yeah, courage. Yeah. Yeah, and the worst anybody's going to say is no. And I think, as we were alluding to before, when it comes to theater and shows and helping out, you're rarely going to get no because people, it's such a welcoming community. I mean, Matt and I have found that throughout every aspect of theater that we've been involved in. It's such a welcoming community for people with, you know, personalities that are all over the place and everybody, it, it becomes a community and it becomes a family. And yeah. I think especially in, in that environment, uh, I think that's great advice. It really is. I mean, I think you know, being involved with the prom, it was such a family. I mean, you know, we were all there to spread the message of love and tolerance and being true to yourself. That was really incredible to watch. And, you know, I think, you know, Casey, Nicola, the director, really kind of was a leader in in building that family. And then, you know, our adult leads in the show really shepherded our, like, the young ensemble. And it was really neat to see, like, this is how a healthy Broadway production should run. And this is how we should treat people. And we should all be helping each other. And that was really special to watch because I think sometimes in some shows, you don't see that. No, and especially, I mean, especially these days, and that's that's a trope that people say all the time, but I think now more than ever, you want to have a show that when you come out of it, you feel better. Uh, we just had we just saw Come From Away uh, the other, like a month or two ago, and that was another one. And The Prom was definitely a show that I remember feeling better about myself, about the world, when I came out of it. And, and that's just a great piece of art right there. Yeah. Theater is wonderful, and I just encourage people to go see it and support it, whether locally or on Broadway or off-Broadway. And there's so many ways to be involved. Um, you can usher, you can help build sets, you can paint, you can offer to help with accounting. No matter what your talent set is or your skill set is, there's some way to help some theater thrive. Absolutely. Well, Laura, this has been great. Thank you again for your time. And uh, what's the best way for people to keep up with you and, and your projects and all the all things Laura Galt? Well, they can find me on Instagram, which is at ATXRandom, and um, also via my website, ATXRandom.com. And you can always like subscribe, and I'll send out uh, kind of like an update every now and then and they can get an update. And if anybody's interested in becoming involved on Broadway, they're certainly welcome to reach out to me uh, via my website as well. Oh, fantastic, what a great resource. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely, and we're all looking forward to seeing The Outsiders. Yes. When it comes well, around. Yeah, February and March, 2023. Road trip. That sounds good. My birthday's in February. Sounds like a good reason to take a little trip, Greg. Yes. <laughs> Let me know, and um, we can hopefully all meet up there. That would be great. Well, yeah. until then, Laura, thank thank you so much. Best of luck with all your endeavors, and uh, with The Outsiders, we're excited to see how that goes. We'll be watching closely, and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You bet. Our pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, thank you again to our guest, Laura Galt. 
To find out more about Laura and what she's up to, visit her website at www.lauragalt.com and atxrandom.com. Twitter at mslauragalt and Instagram at atxrandom. All linked in the show notes. And if you enjoyed episode 64, please make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend or two. You can find all the latest on heilmanandhaver.com along with all of our past episodes and popular segments like Get to Know a Theater, In the Mix, and Behind the Scene Artist Interviews. As always, thank you for supporting your local theater and for joining us here on Heilman and Haver.